Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Is your heart prepared? You ready to receive? Are you going to be changed? Hallelujah. I believe we will be changed this morning from glory to glory. Amen. Hold your Bible with me to heaven and say thank you, Father, for your holy written word. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh. I have what your word says I have. I am what your word says I am. I can do what your word says I can do. Holy Spirit, anoint my ears to hear my heart to receive and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God for his holy written word. Now, if you came this morning expecting to hear lesson two on walking in the fear of the Lord, you will. Amen. And just to let you know, and during this time of fasting and praying and waiting on God, just doing whatever you're led to do, I've been doing what I've been led to do. I've been changed. Anybody else here being changed? You know, Scripture says in Ephesians 4.23 from the Living Translation of the Bible, it says our thoughts, our attitudes and thoughts ought always to be changing for the better. I'm changing for the better. Are you changing for the better? We all should be changing for the better, looking more like Jesus every day, acting more like Jesus every day, talking more like Jesus every single day. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And as we look into the mirror of God's word and by the spirit of almighty God, we are changed from glory to glory every single day from faith to faith. Hallelujah. From victory to victory. Amen. Just a quick review of uh, some of the things that we already talked about uh, from the last time that was two weeks ago so if you weren't here uh, or if you were here last week and uh, of course we had that one uh, session last week where we didn't hear it so just to remind us first of all in Acts 9 31 we are told that the early church walked in the fear of the Lord they walked in the fear of the Lord that was characteristic of their lives and the fear of the Lord we're talking about that and Vine's expository dictionary says that that really means that it's the fear of the Lord that governed their lives Uh, It was a controlling motive of the life in a person's life, be it in matters of moral or spiritual. It was a dread that they had to displease God. Can you imagine living in that realm? A wholesome dread of displeasing God? And then in the book of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, and who taught Paul the gospel? Jesus did. And obviously he emphasized this, and let's, let's really let this sink into our ears. He said in Philippians 2 and verse 12, he said this, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And when you add trembling to the fear, it's even more impacting. It is the duty of every saved person to work out his or her salvation with fear and trembling. Almost a quaking. When Moses stood before Mount Sinai, it was was fearful. It was quaking. But we've come not to that mountain, but to Mount Zion. 
And our God's a consuming fire. And the glory is greater in this dispensation than it was then. And so what does that mean? It's my duty to take what's on the inside and bear its fruit. To bring it to the outside. Not just leave it on the inside. But get it to the outside. So in other words, we should look saved. If we are saved, we should look saved. Can you say amen? Amen. We should look like it to people that are out there in the world. It's our duty to bear fruit of the spirit, not fruit of the flesh. You sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. You sow to the spirit, you reap life everlasting. And so it's our, everybody say duty. duty. Then in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, we're told by Solomon, supposedly the wisest man on earth except Jesus, to do what? It's your duty to fear God and keep his commandments. Amen? To fear God and keep his commandments. In other words, live your life in such a way that you're preparing yourself for eternity. Fear God and keep his commandments. And then also, we saw in Romans chapter 3 and verse 18, what happens in the lives of people who do not fear God. It says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. And in the first two chapters, he talked about mankind without the fear of God is left to live their lives the way they want to, without restraint, no restraint whatsoever. Their flesh is in control. They're doing things that are unseemly. And he named a bunch of things that were there. So even in the life of the believer, if we don't have the fear of God, your flesh will take over and you'll just live your life without restraint. And then next, uh, Matthew's gospel chapter 10 and verse 28 here's where Paul said I'm sorry where Jesus said don't fear him or the one that can destroy your body only but fear him that is the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell who's the one who judges people as to whether or not they make heaven or hell only God right absolutely And so don't fear people who can take your life. Don't be motivated by that. But be motivated by a fear that you have for God. And when I read that, and I read this in this book, I'll share with you just a little bit of it. This book, Richard Sigmund, and he was killed in an automobile accident, crushed and dead for eight hours. That's a long time to be dead. And in those eight hours, he was taken to the throne of God. He was taken to heaven. And in the book, he talks about many, 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 many things that will spin your ears about what heaven is like. And so the book really is giving us details upon details about the heavenly sphere and the wonderful things that take place in glory. But then Jesus said we need to take a little visit to the other place how many of you know there's an other place there's another place that's not heaven that's not comfortable okay and he gave him a, a, just a little taste and I want to share that with you and also I'm going to remind us of this this is not intended to cause within us or create within us fear that is unwholesome or unhealthy but is designed to create within all of us a wholesome dread of displeasing God at all in the way we live our lives. Is that okay? Is that acceptable for all of us? And I'll tell you why. If we'll get a hold of this as a congregation and we come in reverence every time we meet, we will see a glory cloud 
that will manifest in this place that will save the lost, heal the sick, and set the captives free while you sit there in the pew without someone even touching you. Creative miracles will take place. New organs will be given in people's bodies. But I want you to listen with intense listening ears about what happened in the other place. I quickly realized that hell is the exact opposite of everything that heaven is. The gates were as big as the gates in heaven, but these were made of, of black material. I remember stairs, and there were hideous, grotesque beings as tall as the angels who guarded the gates of heaven. Some cartoon figures of demons approached how hideous these creatures were. When they saw the master, they screamed in horror. There were also flames of punishment. I felt the doom and despair there. I heard people crying out. It seems that demons take people and torture them to the same level of pain the demons themselves are in or worse. People were naked. There was no one there who was not old enough to know what sin is. There were no babies. Jesus urged me to tell people what I saw. I want to tell you others of this place and warn them that unless they are washed in my blood, unless they are born again, this is where they will spend their eternity. There were demons all around screaming, screaming, screaming at the very presence of Jesus. They could not stand to be in his presence. As soon as they saw him, they screamed and ran in terror. The people were begging and pleading with Jesus to get, out, get them out of there, but he would not hear them because their judgment was already fixed. I cannot describe everything I saw because it makes me violently ill. I don't want to remember, but I can tell you that there is absolute horror. I saw people in hell who were no more than walking skeletons with flesh of some kind hanging off of them, rotting off of them. There were maggots and the smell was unbreathable. People were being raped. Serpents ate and digested parts of the people. Then the people were restored and it happened all over again. I witnessed people being ripped apart by demons. Parts of their bodies were hanging on boulders and rocks and the demons would take the, par the, the parts and eat them and pass them through. And then the body was whole again for the process to be repeated. A young girl had hot coals forced into her mouth as demons mocked. You really thought you were getting by with something? There were groups of people in small cages that were on fire. People were put into small burning cages that were then dipped in a lake of fire. However, their bodies were not consumed. Their bodies were never consumed. They were half skeletons and half beings. Demons poured liquid fire on them. There were what looked like coal pits burning. It was dark. There were demons and serpents everywhere. The demons inflicted more pain than they were going through themselves. And the scripture says in Isaiah 66, and they will go out and look upon the dead bodies of those who rebelled against me. Their worm will not die, nor will their fire be quenched, and they will be loathsome to all mankind. Then I saw the place reserved for the devil and his angels. He will have flaming, slimy fire over his head for a thousand years. The lake of fire had depths that got worse and worse and worse. Jesus said to him, son, you have, filled what you have fulfilled what God wanted. Jesus said that, and then we ascended to the platform again. I asked, who am I going to tell? And Jesus said, tell others about a place called heaven and the other place, the place of separation. He took my face in his hands and tilted it so that I, looked, I had to look directly into his face. Then he said, don't ever forget how much I love you 
and what I have done for you. Never forget how much I love those whom you are going, to, going back to and the place I have prepared for them and how much I love them as well. There is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. And sometimes I think even in our Christian circles if we get to a place to where we become complacent in our walk with God and we have no motivation whatsoever to go further in God that too often people go backwards and especially with this excessive teaching on grace how people think it doesn't really matter how I live or what I do anymore doesn't matter because see once I've been saved that's all that counts my brother and my sister that's a deception of the enemy we would not be told to work out our salvation with fear and trembling if there wasn't a cause and so look in Proverbs chapter 1 as we continue our study in verse 29 look, look, look at what it says here as we continue we're walking in the fear of the Lord for that, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose everybody say choose what didn't they choose? the fear of the Lord you read the whole chapter and he's talking much about what truly what wisdom and knowledge really involve and it begins right here they didn't choose the fear of the Lord is a choice I make in other words I will be motivated to live my life based on godly reverential fear and not what makes me feel good look at Proverbs 1 and verse 7 it says the fear of the Lord the fear of the Lord is the what the beginning or the alphabet of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction or understanding what that's telling us is this you can be very smart and highly intelligent but a fool doesn't matter how highly intelligent we are if we don't believe in God because the scripture says only a fool says there is no God then we're foolish can you see that so where does true wisdom begin in fearing God walking in godly reverential fear is the beginning or the alphabet of wisdom and so when a person says I choose to live my life in the fear of the Lord and not the fear of man and let me just explain quickly my son here Dante over the years when he was high school I would notice how some close friends because he was on the basketball team football team and all that would uh, disassociate not invite him to places not do things with him and they kind of wonder you know you don't want to see your, your son to be shunned or anything like that and the bottom line was because he didn't do drugs because he didn't do alcohol because he didn't go get drunk because he didn't smoke because he didn't do all the things that these other individuals did the peer pressure strong and when you're in high school that he'd be shunned and if he would go to places where he was invited for a party or this or whatever and all that stuff would start happening he's out the door and coming back home I cannot tell you how that blesses a father and a mother to know that your son chose the fear of the Lord and not the peer pressure of their peers hallelujah amen amen and did it hurt sure it hurts when you're the outcast but God gave him another circle of friends that believe the way he believes hallelujah and he'll take care of you when you choose to live for him look at these scriptures in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 7 be not wise in your own eyes 
Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Walking in the fear of the Lord will cause a person to what? Depart from evil. Run from it as in terror. He goes on to say, it'll be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. (laughs) That's how healing comes. A healthy immune system as a result. Look at chapter uh, 6 and verse 16 rather in verse 6. By mercy and truth iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord men what? Depart. They divorce themselves from evil. And so when he talks about work out your salvation in the fear of the Lord you're departing from things that are evil that God considers evil that the word of God considers evil and sometimes when we preach along this line people think well you're talking about you know adultery you're talking about murder you're talking about robbery the tongue is the worst evil there is it's a world of evil we're told in James chapter 3 is it not it's a world of iniquity and when we gossip and talk about people that we shouldn't be talking about in ways we shouldn't be talking about if there's no fear of the Lord you won't run from it but when you fear God you're out the door I don't want any part of that amen and then 2nd Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1 look at what this verse says having therefore these promises dearly beloved let us or let God let us cleanse ourselves you take a bath in the blood this morning? Did you wash in the blood this morning? Cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting what? Holiness in the fear of God. Notice it's the fear of God that does what? Motivates us to do what? Perfect holiness. And what was the promise? If you back it up, you, can, you don't have to go to it, but if you back it up to chapter 6, he's talking about God said, I will live in them and walk in them and I'll be their God and they shall be my people. Because God, who is a holy God, lives on the inside of us. God of reverential fear will motivate us to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and perfect holiness in the fear of the living God. Amen. Those who truly reverence God will depart from evil with fear and trembling. I don't want to touch that, taste that, handle that. No way. Look at 1 Peter 1 and verse 17. Now here's the correction. You, I think your, your page says 7, but it's 17. So make a note of that so you get the right scripture. And then look at it from the New Living Translation. And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. Aren't you glad to know that? He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residence. This life is temporary. We are temporary residents on earth. King James says sojourning here upon the earth. As we sojourn, as we live here upon the earth. What are we supposed to do? Live our lives in godly reverential fear of a God who's a consuming fire. Who wants us to depart from evil. And perfect holiness. So as we live our lives on earth. That's what we're supposed to do. Now we're going to back it up. I'm going to show you this scripture in context. Because too often we take it out of context. And just quote it by itself. You'll get some of the meaning. But when you see the whole thing in context. You get the full meaning of what Peter is saying. Now start with verse 14. 1 Peter 1 14. New Living Translation. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. 
but now you must be holy in everything you do just as God who chose you is holy for the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy and remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites he will judge or reward you according to what you do so you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors and it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value it was the price, precious blood of Christ the sinless spotless lamb of God God chose him as your ransom long before the world began but now in these last days he has revealed for your sake through Christ you have come to trust God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth so now you must show sincere love to each other as brethren and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. So when, when you put this in its proper setting that we've been redeemed not with silver and gold but the precious blood of Jesus and that'll get you to shout right but notice what it said number one be holy number two walk in godly fear right be holy walk in godly fear because of the blood that was shed love one another fervently in the King James it's fervently so He's telling us that if we really value the blood that was shed for our redemption, then what will we do? Number one, make every effort to walk in holiness in all that we do. Walk in the fear of Almighty God. Be holy. Walk in the fear of the Lord. And love one another. How? The word fervently in the King James actually means with hot, heated, fervent love for one another for your brother and sister in Christ it's the same word you'll see in a moment that Peter used the whole earth is going to be changed with a fervent heat it's the same kind of heat almost like a welding where the white light of a welding machine produces this heat that melts we're to love one another that way what a mandate why does he say to do this? Why does he say to be holy, fear God, and walk in this kind of love? Because you've been purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. Because your redemption didn't cost silver and gold, but the lifeblood of our Savior. And if that doesn't motivate us to be holy, walk in fear of the Lord, and love one another, what else can and what else will? Look in the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 3. Again, the New Living Translation. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. You don't expect a thief to show up at your house. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything on it will be found in deserved judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live looking forward to the day of God and the hurrying if along on that day he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames or with the fervent heat 
But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised. A world filled with what? God's righteousness. It's filled with God's righteousness. And so dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort. Everybody say with me, every effort. To be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. So what he's saying is that since only holiness and righteousness are going to survive in the eternal kingdom of God, everybody through the fear of the Lord should be moved to live at peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And to walk uprightly before the Lord God Almighty in such a way so as to be what? Without spot or blame before his presence. Now, I know you're not going to get thrilled by what you're hearing. But you will be sorely challenged. I know it's challenged me. To search my heart and try my reins. Because you know the scriptures say the only way you're going to find him. Is by searching and seeking after him with all your heart. Amen. And like I said. This time has just really impacted my life. Now I want to show us something. Do you realize with every doctrine. In particular. There's a ditch on one side of the road. And a ditch on the other side of the road. You got extremes on both sides of the ditch you can find yourself in that ditch on that side the far left or you find yourself in the ditch on the right side the far right but then again Jesus said there's another path we all should take and it's called what the straight and narrow walking down the middle of the road don't lean to the left and don't lean to the right isn't that what he said so to avoid the extremes I'm going to put this in perspective you'll notice in your notes there are two extremes and two ditches First of all, we have the far right. And again, this is what I'm sharing with you is not something we embrace or believe as a church, but I'm talking about these legitimate doctrines that are out there right now. You can go online and yourself and, and discover them by just pulling them up. On the far right, you have, and I picked out two, Pentecostal Holiness and the United Church, or United Pentecostal Church. Now, I didn't list the things that we fully embrace. Because they're the same. But I want you to notice some of the things that they practiced. That I would consider extreme. If you belong to a church. That was called the Pentecostal Holiness Church. Or the United Pentecostal Church. Then this would be preached from the pulpit. Not this pulpit mind you. But theirs. You're not allowed to have fellowship. With any oath bound secret society. Any social club. Or any corrupt partisan politics whatsoever you can't identify you can't even go to let's say a country club and be a part of that all right you are not allowed to grow use sell or handle tobacco not allowed and remember if you did it would be driven home into your heart you'll be going to hell if you do so keep that in mind as you listen to this no using morphine or intoxicants whatsoever. If you did, you'd be in eternal flames. No slang language. Oh my. Help us all, Lord. Women, I want you to notice the difference between point E and point F. Point E, there's a lot to deal with women. Point F, very few. To deal with men. Let that sink into your ears ladies. 
And gentlemen, that'll cost you at the door. Women, no ornamentation of any kind. They preach no jewelry, no gold, no wearing feathers, no costly apparel, no makeup. Even an old barn needs a coat of paint once in a while. I'm sorry, that wasn't in there. That, that was, I'm sorry. I was just thinking out loud. No. <laughs> no slacks. No slacks. No mixed swimming. The dress hemline could not be above the knee, and no sleeves above the elbow, and no hair cutting. That would put all the beauticians out of business practically. No hair cutting. I'm not making this up. There were those that didn't cut their hair and their hair was down almost to the ground. And they abided by this because they believed they'd be lost if they didn't. And then for men, how about these two? Men, your hair can't cover your ear or touch your shirt collar. That's it. That's it. But then under G for all, for all, for everyone, no movies, no dances, no TV, no pictures or images of any kind. That includes your family on the wall. And no participation in worldly sports. You couldn't be a cheerleader. You couldn't be a football player, a basketball player. You couldn't play baseball. You can do any of that. None of that you could do. You can engage yourself in any of that because you would be considered sinning against God to such a way he could send you to hell for doing these things. Would you call that extreme? But before we become too critical of that view, Okay, look at Acts chapter 5 with me, beginning at verse 1. A mighty work just took place. The ground was shaken where they were assembled together. They all began to worship God. The power of God fell upon them. They all gave to each other in Acts chapter 4. The mighty miracle took place. And I'm telling you, the power of God was in great display among those people. And they sold all their possessions. And they had all things in common. And they came and they gave everybody equal distribution of whatever they had. But in chapter 5 and verse 1, a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And they kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price? While it remained, was it not your own? And if it was sold, was it not your own to, in, in your own power? In other words, to give as much as you want? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Thou hast lied not to men but to God. Ananias hearing these words fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear, he died. Great fear came on all them that heard these things. Whoo. Go to verses 10 and 11. His wife was a part of the whole plan. I won't read the whole details. But then she came and was questioned the same thing. And she said, yeah, that was the price. Then she fell down straightway at his feet and yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in and found her dead. And carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the church. And upon as many as heard these things. Can you see why they walked gingerly before the Lord? Can you imagine going to church and telling a little bit of a white lie and ba-boom, boom, funeral service. Woo. Can you imagine that? 
So they went to the far left, you can say, where they incorporated their own doctrines, but it was based on a reverential fear for God. They had such a godly reverential fear, they did not want to hurt God and sin against their God. Okay, let's take it over to the far right now. Or far left, I'm sorry. The far left, the far left. That was the far right, this is the far left. Too conservative is the far right. Too left is, the, the left is, is a, being without being conservative whatsoever. Okay, so look at Romans chapter three eighteen once again. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This last movement, this grace movement has really established that in the lives of many believers. Your sins are forgiven past, present, and future. It doesn't really matter how you live, what you do, how you act, whatever, because all your sins are taken care of past, present, and future. Don't buy into that. You don't even have to confess your sins anymore. Don't have to confess your sins because you see it's all taken care of. Don't buy into that. There is no fear of God where? They don't see life as being filtered through the fear of God. Listen to this, and, and again, I know I'm getting really into this, but listen carefully. If you hear yourself ever saying, that's all right, go ahead and do it, God will forgive you. Did you hear that? That's okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do it, then I'll repent later. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And that really helps us understand why people can go to the other extreme. And look in the book of Leviticus in chapter 10. And I'm going to show you when we become complacent in our walk with God. I'm not saying you walk over to the far right and become so conservative that you live like that. I'm not. But I'm saying we all need to do what? Work out our own salvation with what? Fear and trembling because our God's a consuming fire. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, these are Aaron's boys, this is that the Lord spake saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me. And before all the people, I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Nadab and Abihu were Aaron's sons. And they were blessed. They were blessed to see the living God. They were blessed to see the miracles when they came out of Egypt. They were blessed to see the fire by day. The cloud by day and the fire by night. They were blessed to see the manna from heaven, 4,500 tons coming down every single day. They were blessed to see water coming out of a rock, 11 million gallons every single day. They were blessed to walk across the Red Sea. Can you imagine all this, seeing all this and the miracles that took place? Well, look at this in Exodus 24, beginning at verse 9. They heard the voice of God. They sat in the presence of God. Then went up Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the 70 of the elders of Israel and they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet as it were a paved work of a sapphire stone and as it were the body of heaven in its clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel he laid not his hand 
Also they saw God and did eat and drink. Can you imagine this? They saw God. They saw his miracles. They saw the presence of the living God. But guess what? They then took it lightly. And as a result, look at the, first of all, look at Exodus 28. They were also selected to be priests before the Lord, a high honor among them. And take thou unto the heir and thy brother and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. So now here we have them, and they're functioning in the priest's office, and they get to a place to where they take it lightly. I worked in the Youngstown Sheet and Tube Company where we made hot seamless steel. 15 inch, up to 15 and three quarter inch round seamless steel to provide for the oil industry. You had the machinery that can take your life in a heartbeat just like that. And when I first went down the mill, I had a high regard and respect for the machinery that I was working around, especially when the furnace is 22, 2300 degrees. But the longer you work there, the more you take it for granted. You become complacent. You don't watch as you used to. One day I was borrowing a billet that weighed 3,000 pounds. It got stuck on the rollers that was supposed to go into the furnace to be melted at 22, 2300 degrees. You're told not to do that, but you see, I'm seasoned now. I've been there for four years at this time, or three years, whatever, and so I get this steel bar, metal bar, iron bar, and I, I try to build, or to, to take that billet and to get it back on the rolls, and as I do this, it hits the roll, and the bar, those rolls move fast. Hit my hand, my two fingers right here, and thank God it hit against my leg here because right behind me was a still step and I don't know what would have happened to those two fingers had it hit the still step but it was cushioned against my leg and of course my ring finger it swelled up to where they had to cut it off of my, of my finger because I believe I would have lost my fingers you get to a place that you no longer reverence that kind of machinery one fellow was crushed in his back when a shoe weighing tons fell on it because of no longer being cautious. Another millwright had a piece of two and a half inch pipe enter his stomach and go out his back. Another one on the high mill stepped where he shouldn't have stepped and it took his whole leg right into the mill completely gone. And I can go on and on and on. It's when we, all of a sudden, we get to a place where we take all things for granted. These two entered in and they offered strange fire before the Lord. God established laws and guidelines for offering, making offerings. And so when they went in and they did it on their own, thinking that, you know, it's just, just here, it's just informal. They went, How many of you know that God's fire and man's fire differ? And that man's fire can compare to God's fire. And when man makes a sacrifice, you don't want your own fire. That's strange. You want God's fire. 
And so when they entered the presence of God and they did it haphazardly, they did it nonchalantly, they did it without any thought whatsoever, I'm just going to go into it. Boom, they both died. The fire of God went out. Remember when they tried to touch the Ark of the Covenant and they were told, don't you ever carry the Ark of the Covenant that way? And they disobeyed God and they did it. And the Ark shifted and they went to stop it. And what happened to them? Yeah, they died. When we lose godly reverential fear, then we just start taking things lightly and for granted. We can move to the far left and show no respect or reverence for the things of God. And I listed some of these things for us all to really evaluate for ourselves. Judge yourself on this. And as I want to judge myself on this. This is the thing, these are the things I've been going over during my time of, of waiting upon the Lord, okay? Okay, we can lose reverence for the word of God. Remember in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I'll sh- I will liken him unto a what? What's a wise man do? Hears what God says and does what God says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? And a wise man will hear what God says and he will do what God says. But a foolish man, we won't read the whole thing, but a foolish man, what does he do? He hears it, but he doesn't do it. So the wise man hears and does it, but the fool hears it but doesn't do it. You could say that Nadab and Abihu were being foolish with the things of God. And what happened when they were being foolish? They died. Okay, Jesus says you'll be devastated. But look at this next one, and this is so essential. The house of the Lord. The house of the Lord. The house of the Lord, the temple of God. In Matthew 21, 12, if you recall the beginning of his ministry and the end of his ministry, Jesus did what? He overturned the table of the money changers and drove out those that were buying and selling in the temple. He went to the temple of God. He cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and over to the table of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. He said to them, my, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer. You've turned into a den of thieves. The blind came in, the lame came in and in the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, the children crying in the temple and saying Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. And he said to them, hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said to them, yea, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? In those scriptures you have four things. The house of the Lord is a house of purity. He cleansed it. It's a house of prayer. He said it's a time to pray. It's a house of power. He healed the sick and perfected praise. There's always going to be perfected praise when all these things happen. But the point is, that's his temple. That's his house. And what is a house? A dwelling place. Well, now, who's the temple? Who's the temple? We are the temple of the Most High God. As God has said, I will walk in them and I will dwell in them and I'll be their God and they should be my people, right? So, number, remember this. Look in the book of um, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. New Living Translation. And please, when you hear these words, they are not mine. Young people in particular, when you hear these words, they are not mine. I'm not even going to interpret them. I'm just going to read them. Who's the temple? Collectively and individually. Where's God living? 
among us collectively and where? In us. Okay. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or the worship of idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of those, these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. You say, food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about our bodies. And God will raise us from the dead by his power just as he raised our Lord from the dead. Don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his body which is part of Christ and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say the two are united into one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your body. King James says, what? Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not, be you do not belong to yourself for our God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Now regarding the questions you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations, but because there is so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. Each man should have his own wife, and each woman should have her own husband. Does it get clearer than that? It does not say partner. It says each man have his wife, each woman have her husband. And so when Christians are now being bashed because we hold that view, you know why we hold that view. That's God's view. And if he calls something an abomination, then it is an abomination. And no one's judging anybody. But if we reverence the word of God, and if we reverence being the temple of God, and listen to me carefully, if we can engage ourselves in some of these practices that we just had, you saw written there, and, and expressed there, then guess what? We've lost the fear of the Lord. If we can engage in that with no sense of Conviction whatsoever, we've lost the fear of the Lord. We've lost it. And it's time to get before the face of God and just say, oh my, how can I not be under conviction with doing this or doing that or doing the other thing? Is this helping you? 
Look at the next one. I know we're meddling. But I've got a mandate to meddle. Thou shalt not. God gave four commandments with regard to himself. No God before him. No images. Don't take his name in vain. And remember the Sabbath day. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless. That taketh his name in vain. Beloved I'll be honest with you. When you really walk in the fear of the Lord. You won't even say O-M-G. Please listen carefully. Don't refer to him as the man upstairs. Or the big guy. You want to refer to him. Creator. Of life. Author. Of every living thing. Jehovah. Jesus. Emmanuel. God who is with us. See the church has lost. Reverential fear for God. We don't use his name in vain. Because that name is all powerful. All powerful. And if we want the power of that name to manifest. We won't be using Jesus' name in vain. And what does the world do with that name? Why is everything his fault? In the world. Look at the next one. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now don't get so Jewish on me that you can't hear this. <laughs> You're here today because we set aside in our Christian circles as they did the first day of the week to worship God. No, we don't follow a rigid law that says from morning till sundown you can't even blow your nose. We don't do that. That's an extreme view. But when you hear people say, oh, it doesn't matter whether I go to church, not I can watch TV. But what about the scripture that says, don't forsake the assembly of yourself together. Because you need the church and the church needs you. God has gifted you not to be selfish, but to use your gifts, come to a place of worship and bless somebody else and create a habitation for God in our midst. And beloved, I'm going to go even another step further. Some churches are being designed right now with cup holders. You realize that? You know, that nice, nice relaxed atmosphere. Really? We've come here to respect and reverence God. It's not a movie theater. We don't bring our donut in. You know, some churches, no food or drink allowed in the sanctuary because they don't want the carpet to get messed up. We don't want food and drink in the sanctuary, unless it's an absolute must, if you've got a condition or whatever, you understand that. Not because we don't want the carpet messed up, because we want the glory to fall. We want the glory to fall. We want God to be exalted in this place. 
And Lord, we've come to give you, to sacrifice an hour and a half of our time to come into your presence and say, you are the most high and you're to be revered among your people. And where, the, where there's reverence for the living God, the fire will fall and the glory will manifest and the power of the most high will be witnessed among the people. Then body parts will be replaced with heavenly body parts. Then we'll see the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk, and the maimed to be made whole. Then. Hallelujah. Is that why you're here? To see this, the lost saved? See, church has been reduced to, oh, go ahead and put on my time, get in and get out. Oh, I did it again for one more week, Lord. Ah, oh, you're, you're happy. Whoa, no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Uh, let's, let's close here pretty quick. Let's look at the last, next to the last one. I already did the last one. Malachi 3 to 8 through 10. To support the work of God. I missed the commandment too. The commandment of love. You could read it for yourself. You could look it over. Those notes are there provided for you because I'm allowed to just go crazy if I want to up here after once in a while. Am I right? Am I allowed to go crazy once in a while? Hallelujah. <laughs> that okay with you? Will a man put a hanky around his nose, tie it in the back? Pull out his gun and rob God. Not what it says up there? Will a man rob God? The work of God, someone says, I don't need to do anything. I can stay home, I can watch TV, and maybe I'll send a dollar in here or there to one of those ministries on TV. You don't know where your dollar's going. It could be going there to make that guy his next million dollars or his next house. Right? But when you come here, you know what's going on. We tell you what's going on. You could be a part of what's going on. You can get on the bus and you can go with them over to uh, New Mexico and you can minister to the people and you see exactly what's taking place. You can go to Cuba if you want. You can go back there and look at the young people that are back there and hear them being taught the word of the living God to change their lives forever, to bring them into the family of God. When you become a part of a local body of believers like this here, praise God, you want to support it with what you have. Not just your financial resources, but your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your wisdom, your knowledge, your understanding. You want to be there to participate in a way, whether you want to usher, whether you want to be a part of the, of the youth ministry or the evangelist, evangelist outreach ministry, whatever it might be. You've come just to pray. Get on your face before God, even before a service and wait on God. Say, we want to see you as a dry and thirsty land where no water is. I want to see you. I want to see you as the deer pants after the water. I want to see you, Lord. I long for your presence, your power, and your glory. I'm done with mediocrity in ministry. I want to see God alive among the people. I want to see God manifesting himself amen will a man rob God where'd that go <laughs> but you say where and have we robbed yeah you have robbed me but you say where and have we robbed thee in tithes and offerings you're cursed with a curse for you robbed me and if I hear someone say that just belongs to Israel I think I'll fall over <laughs> read Hebrews 7 if the type if the type is deserving of your tithe and offering, how much more the antitype? Jesus is the high priest. Anyhow, you're cursed with the curse. You robbed me. Even this whole nation. But notice he started with a man, not just a nation, a man. Are you a man? And the ladies out there going, not me. Yes, you are. He made them both male and female. Man, he made both male and female. So that means you. Bring all the... Bring all the tithes to the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. 
And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there's not enough room for you to receive it all. Prove me and see if I won't do it. I know I've gone a little bit longer this morning here. But you know what? I believe that God wants to show up. I believe that God wants his glory cloud. To, you know, you're, you're, we're concerned about our sons and daughters. You know, you can try to preach to your son or your daughter, this is the way that you should go. But when they get into this place and the fire of God falls and God penetrates their, their very being and they see God high and lifted up and full of glory, they will bow on their own. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence, to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.